friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to another Become Good Soil podcast episode. I have come across a statistic three times in recent months that varies a little bit in amount, but the range is the same. All of the statistics ask this question, what is the value in economic terms of the role of a mother and a wife managing the life of a family. Everything from the hidden chores around a home to making meals and shuttling kids and building relationships, fostering a nurturing environment. And every statistic, and all of these are from several years ago, is somewhere between $120,000 and $143,000 thousand dollars. And friends, I wish on my list of joy bombs, one of the things I would love to do is show up at every house of every woman who is married to the men in this story and just hand them a stack of Benjamin Franklin somewhere in the realm of $143,000 to say, thank you. Thank you for the hiddenness. Thank you for the unseen. Thank you for the work of love that you are sowing into homes and hearts around the globe. We are anticipating the next Become Good Soil intensive. We are accepting applications now through November 1st. And in anticipation, of that intensive, I wanted to take a season of featuring stories, the stories of heroic men, the stories of women who are championing those men, and the stories of women who are benefiting from men who are pausing, who are getting curious about examining the interior landscape of their soul, men who are not settling for what the world has to offer, but men who are choosing courage, choosing authenticity, and choosing to engage in relationship with God, relationship with mentors, relationship with the like-hearted, men who are consenting over time in their hidden places to become the kind of men to become the kind of kings in whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom. I have now many allies in this message of become good soil and becoming a king. And I have some men that have become friends and they are men who have walked in this message and it has borne fruit in their homes, in their lives. And I reached out to some of those men and took a risk and asked them if it was okay to invite their wives in for another conversation. These are men that aren't in my daily circle, but they're in the larger fellowship of hundreds of Become Good Soil intensive alumni. And so I picked a few that were local and I invited these women to come in and say, "Um, tell us some stories. What's it been like? What is the fruit? of this message in your husband's life. And so friends, I have three courageous women that I want to invite you in to be with me, with them today. Jenna and Tara and Robin. I think you'll enjoy 
this conversation. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about an exciting offering coming up this fall. I am going to host an online six-week Becoming a King study group. It's going to be available to men and women, anyone that's interested, but it's exclusive for Become Good Soil subscribers. So it's a great chance to join me live and a fellowship around the globe to dive deep into the book, the study guide, the video series together on Tuesday afternoons, Mountain Time. 2.30 to 3.45. It's the best window for me to try to capture as many people around the globe as possible. I realize it's really late in Europe. It's really early on Australia, but it's about the only time zone that we can grab to grab the globe uh, real time, authentically connecting in small campfire groups, praying together, diving into the ideas. So I'd love to have you. Becoming a King study group. It launches October 6th, and you can find the details under online events at becomegoodsoil.com or simply subscribe to Become Good Soil to the uh, blogs there, and we'll send you information. Hope you can join us. What brings us together is we are four couples who have really consented to the path and process of becoming the kind of men and women in whom God can entrust more and more of the care of his kingdom, right? That's what our lives are about in very different cultures, very different expressions. Um, It's messy and it's beautiful as you all know, Um, but let's start with some joy. Like, can you think of something or you say like, this, there's some joy coming our way, or there's just a moment of joy and you know it's fruit of choosing this way over time. Current, historic, big, small, what comes to mind? Some things that are bringing our family joy is, uh, well, everyone kind of was, during the COVID, everyone was at home together. Well, we didn't have that option because of what we do for a living. And we actually went into the opposite mode of what the world was doing. And we heard all these people, this is the best restful time. And this has just been such a blessing to our families and, you know, all, and we just didn't have that blessing. It was a really crazy time. It was survival mode for us because we are in retail. And um, so we were being very creative on how to keep our business alive. Uh, And so we're coming out of that season. And then this season, um, being joyful that we still have our business, um, but also reevaluating and what is it, how can we continue forward um, with Sean and I, we run the business together and it hasn't always been pretty. We see things very differently from one another. <laughs> we, are, we are like oil and water. Um, <laughs> I love him so much, but it's the truth. And so when you do business with someone, it just doesn't always work. And so um, we actually just decided I'm going to step away from the business. And I am really looking forward to just being mom again, just mm. to being wife, to being homemaker. And so just deciding together that there has to be a shift and that it's going to be better for our family, better for our marriage, um, and so I'm really joyful in this season because 
we get to go back and kind of reevaluate things in our business, our marriage, our family, and all those things. So, so I'm super excited. And I mean, I planted a garden for the first time in four years. Wow. And just going out there every day and just looking at my garden, it just brings me so much joy that I have time for that. So, yeah. I love seeing it on your face. You yeah. are like lighting up. It's yes. good. Yes. Awesome. I'm so, so thankful that God brought us to this season to see that it's time to come away. It's time to step away. Because uh, when you're in it, it's hard. It's like, oh, well, this 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 business just depends on me. Well, it doesn't. Yeah. The Lord clearly showed us this during this season of nothing you can do can help your business survive. And he showed us that this this season. So, so good. super thankful for that. Yeah. Others? Uh, similar to what you and Sean are going through, um, we're in a transition of Cliff stepping out of work and me going into work. But in this transition season, we're home together a lot. And so I've been able to get Cliff to do a lot of projects that he just hasn't been motivated to do. And so one of them is getting our chicken coop set up. And uh, you know, I've wanted chickens forever. And so we have six chickens in our backyard. And every morning it is just the like most delightful thing to go open up their coop, say good morning. They all run out. And we and we got this patio furniture. Like we've never bought patio furniture before. <laughs> <laughs> so we got this space. And in the evenings, my daughter will put on like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, and we just sit there with the chickens roaming the yard. And it is just, it is just, it is what I wanted for so long because we've had such a transient life Mm. moving from one thing to the next. And this is just that, that grounding that my soul has needed. And it's been so good. So good. I want to come see your chickens. That sounds amazing. (laughs) We have one named Petunia. She's mine. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And she is like the most friendly bird. She just wants to snuggle. She just wants to sit and snuggle any chance she gets. So So if you're tending to the garden, she's on your shoulder. Best bird. So that when they get a name like Petunia, they don't ever become chicken sandwiches. They are egg layers. (laughs) They are egg layers. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're hoping we didn't accidentally get a roux, but... Yeah. The hunter in me is like, oh, man, you get eggs and then you get, you know, Thanksgiving. And, yeah, that's like Petunia. Okay. Okay. We name them after we harvest them. But yeah, before, it's way too personal. Oh, my goodness. Petunia on your shoulder. Robin. Um, well, I think for me, if I were to kind of go back to when the journey began for Rich, when he gave his yes that was really the starting point of being more intentional with being outdoors and getting in some hiking. And at that point, our youngest was just a baby. He had just been born. And so I'm flashing back to hikes that we would do and he'd be on my back and Lauren, our middle one, would not think hiking was all that spectacular. And Aubrey was like, "Eh, I'm not so sure about this. And just to see where over the quarantine and now we're into summer, we have a hiking list on our refrigerator now. The girls have made a list and Hunter's kind of inputted his six-year-old opinion on what hikes he would like to do. But we did one just a couple weeks ago where over the last few years, our goal has been we are going to make it to Stanley Reservoir. And I'm going to put quotation marks around reservoir because there's nothing there. 
<laughs> but every year we're like, okay, we're going to get a little bit further. We're going to get a little bit further. And so a few weeks ago, we're like, okay, we're going to do this. Storms are coming in at one o'clock. So we got to make sure we're back in time. And so we start it. And I'm watching Rich, like he's at the head and the girls are going and Hunter's ahead of me and I'm bringing up the rear just to make sure all the chickens make it up. And we did it. Like we got to the end and I I remember going, honey, this is getting easier. Like Hunter didn't complain once. Like Mm -hmm. he's getting stronger. The girls didn't complain. And to just see as I reflect over the last six years, the beauty that has been developed in my kids and their love of being outdoors Mm. and conquering things um, and also just them seeing the joy in leaving all of the noise, all of the chaos that is swirling in our culture today that we didn't have to hear it. We didn't have to listen to it. We got to be our family of five, we got to have our joy, and we got to conquer something that we've been working towards for several years. It's just, mm. that's our joy. It's so. so good. Yeah. It's interesting. In all three of those stories, uh, I hear echoes of this joy that's coming from something that happened over time. There's transitions, there's seasons, It's it's there's a slow and steady, there's the looking back and seeing, oh, because of something back then, we have this joy now or anticipation of joy. I'd love to chat a bit about then and now. Um, We we really hold to this idea of live in the day and measure in the decade. And that's hard to orient in our world that's instant. Coffee's instant. Everything's instant, right? We need it quick. We need it instant, but the kingdom doesn't operate that way, right? It's slow and steady wins the race. And one of the things we are all trying to consent to as a community is is measuring over time. So I'd love to hear from you then and now in observing your husband's or observing your life as impact from your husband's consenting to this process. Can you give us a glimpse of, here's an example of then, and here's an image of that now, and here's what that means to me, or here's why, or, or just an insight on it, or just a simple comparison of the two in any area. I love this question um, because it's not, it's, while it would be super great and fantastic, awesome and wonderful if it was like this big magic potion that happens and one day, you know, we got this, and the next day we have something that's super spectacular and better. Um, it's not that way. Um, when Rich consented, it was at a place in his career where he was set to move on up. You know, he was moving into leadership, um, and it it rocked him in such a beautiful way that everything just kind of came to a halt. And what what began was just these, these small shifts from providing a paycheck, making rank, was no, was no longer his focus. Mm-hmm. It became a shift to tending to his shit, yes. really. But what I don't think he would have named at the time is his shifts actually allowed him to get out of the way so that God could come in and 
extend the same invitation to me, mm. if that makes sense. So by him consenting and him making these small shifts of, okay, my paycheck and my rank actually aren't helpful in what I want to establish for my heart, for my family, and for my wife, provided me the opportunity to start my own journey and deal with my own shit over here. Um, and so where that has brought him today is his kids and his wife now look at him as a man, as a husband, as a father, no longer as a paycheck or coming home and, hey, look at me, look how amazing I am. I just put in a day's work. Actually, we're just really excited to see him mm. and be present with him because he's now present with us. And I've had my own journey over here where I now realize he's actually not my responsibility. Wow. And I'm not his responsibility because we've kind of gotten, gotten out of each other's way so that God could come in, do what he wanted to on our soil. And it's the most fruitful, beautiful thing mm. is... I actually don't have to carry him, yes, and he doesn't have to carry me, and I actually just get to be his wife, and that's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. There are a couple golden pieces I hear in that of before when it was about the paycheck and the rank, there's something of he's building the external, right? So out there, the world's saying he's a big deal, and he's a bigger deal, and he comes home with his badge, <laughs> and you go, that badge doesn't do much here. Like, go take out the trash. And help me with school, right? Yeah, you you kind of hit me, the you right? hit the nail on the head, and I can I can see Rich laughing right now. Because I can see him laughing too. At the beginning, I've always made it abundantly clear, like, oh, it's super awesome that you're a pilot, but that actually doesn't have any rank in this house. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I love you. You're yeah. a badass. However, you're not flying um, the plane that well in here. <laughs> that huh? is correct. But the yes. other piece that that strikes me, Robin, what you're sharing is, it sounds like he invited you to do your work. Yes. And at first there was resistance, yes, right, which is so valid. But what I what I hope people hear in it is, over time, him engaging in the unfinished within him created an atmosphere that compelled you to do it because of who you are and because of who these couples are. Like, because mm -hmm. that can work the other way too, where if a woman chooses to start by saying, "I'm going to." deal with me. I'm going to do the work inside my own soul. It's one of the most evocative invitations to a husband yes. to say, wow, you're owning your stuff. You're mm -hmm. keeping your side of the street clean. You're making, you're taking personal responsibility. Maybe I should too. Mm -hmm. So well done. Way to turn after the resistance and say, <laughs> I'm going to risk. And I've seen it in you, Robin. Thank you. I've observed it over time. Thank you. Any other stories? I think I'm surprised to to hear that similarity in our story of uh, ours is drastic. Our we call it we call Cliff BC Cliff and then AD Cliff. Like wow, it was that it was it was bad. It, he was a he was hard. Um, and so before his yes, like volatile, like just the slightest thing would, would set him off. He was very kingdom focused. We lived in a small town and he was the biggest fish in that town and everybody knew him. Everybody wanted him to work with him and he was good at networking. Um, and he loved, he loved the spotlight, but at home in his relationship with me, I was, I was his kind of ball and chain. I was what was holding him back. That's how our relationship was. So it was just a ton of resentment towards me. 
we came to this place in our marriage where it was like either something changes or we're done here. Like we can't do this anymore. I finally got brave enough to say like, this isn't, this isn't healthy anymore. And so he um, found the Lord and, and started pursuing that. And I was hesitant. I was like, well, we'll see you keep doing that. And we'll, we'll just see what comes of it because I was so jaded and hurt from just our years of really toxic relating. Um, but now, like you're saying, measure in the decades, man, to look back and to see who Cliff is now, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. He, from being that just driven, hard man, like to really being thoughtful and considerate and tender with me, um, from being not a safe place, I, I wouldn't risk anything with him. And now he's my safety net and I can go to him with my heart and my insecurity and my fear and just say, like, help me process this. And he no longer shames, no longer belittles that that process, that sharing, that figuring out. It's just a place where we can meet, deal together, be united. And um, man, it it's just amazing. Like it, it's night and day, it's night and day. So big difference. I don't know. So hopeful. Yeah. So hopeful. Yeah. And so, and to know there's more, more to come, mm-hmm. right? This, and we're not, we haven't arrived. We're not there. We still mess up. We still fight. But like to know, man, in 10 years, if he stays on this path, what a difference, what a marriage we'll have for our kids to see and know and experience. Like, man, it's just it's unreal. How- what you even described at the beginning of this major transition your family's in, I go back a decade and think if you were going through the same kind of transition on the external mm-hmm. level, pr- practically speaking, with the condition in which his heart was in then, like that's the kind of thing that will just blow up a marriage yeah. and blow up kids. Mm-hmm. But now it actually is a story you're telling about joy and about possibility. So you just see the implications are pretty... Um, wide and deep. Mm -hmm. And so I feel a lot of hope rising with that story. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just listening to you guys' stories, there's just so many similarities to bring, I mean, with our husbands. Um, I think Sean is the newest one in this journey. Uh, I don't know if he's quite two years in. He had been in the military for 12 years. And he, when we first got out, we moved here to Colorado Springs. It was very much, who am I? Like a good year of finding his identity and um he struggled and um he was actually invited to go to a boot camp it was a time away in the mountains and he came back i'm gonna cry (laughs) he came back so different over three days of being there and um we also have been together since we were 15 and um we got married at 18 and he went off to war right after we got married. And I was a single mom for years. I just knew I didn't want that and we struggled and our marriage was very distant. And I prayed for years, for 10 years I prayed, this is my prayer, I said, Lord, please give me a husband who will lead our family. Because I was, this, the I would you know, say I was the more spiritual, um, one in, in our relationship for because he was off in the military. His identity was wrapped up in what he's doing. And um, he didn't really have time for a relationship with the Lord. 
And yet I'm here at home raising our children, doing Bible studies and just wishing that he would be the one that would lead them in prayer and that would take the lead in that. And so that was my prayer for 10 years is, Lord, please give me a husband that will lead our family. And so when he went to boot camp and he came home, that was just like, thank you, Lord. Like, even though it takes 10 years <laughs> to do it, like it was God's perfect timing because it was exactly what we needed. Um, and so just watching the, the, you know, who he was then, he's always been an amazing man, always. Um, but it was just that like, oh man, there could be so much more if you had the spirit in you. And um, so anyways, he went to boot camp and then he soon met Morgan and was introduced to the good soil and just has been, there's been such a change in him in just two years. Like, and that kind of like Tara just said, like, I can't imagine what the next 10 years are mm. going to be because I've seen such a change in just the two years or three years. I guess he went to first, uh, went to boot camp um, th about three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago. Um, and it, it is like a switch, like, so, and I, and I almost look back and I'm like, gosh, he's like so further than I am in, in, I've been, you know, here I've been like praying that like he would be someone and now he's past me and, and now I look up to him and how I've always wanted to and looked up to my husband and be like, I want what you have. Um, and so, yeah, just such a huge change. And he is the most amazing father. He's so patient and you can just see what this message has done in his heart. And, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful. So hopeful. And I, I hear, I just see um, Jenna in your story, just like that persistence of like not backing down from what you want and what you're made for and frankly, what you deserve. And just that echoes of, I was raised by a single mom and now I married a good man mm -hmm. and now I'm a single mom again. Like, oh, that's vulnerable. That's, and to keep praying and say 10 years of prayers. And now it's like the beauty of the slow and steady is the actual return is exponential. That what people um, have to risk believing is that there are no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And when we do the slow and steady work and become good soil, then the seeds germinate and produce a harvest that you can't even explain the math. Yeah. Like you're talking about something in two years, but in fact, it was the working out of the mm -hmm. kingdom in your story for over that decade. Yeah. Each of your stories, um, what I'm struck by is there are unique threads, but there are also these universal themes that I'm just hearing these pieces of these ways that every story can benefit from you have a chance here to be speaking to a lot of men and you have their attention. What would you want to say? You have a group of men, you have a man that says, I have ears to hear. From your vantage point, what do I need to hear? What I would say to a man in, in this time is, your wife is not somebody to be fixed. Your wife is somebody to be loved. Mm. A man, and I would say, and I'll speak from, from my perspective with my experience with my husband. I love him fiercely. One of the things that in the beginning, 
is he wanted to protect me. He wanted to to guard me. And when he finally got out of God's way, that's when freedom entered in for me to be able to have access to a God who wanted to come for me, who wanted to deal with all of those places in me. And when he did that, that was that was the most loving thing that he could do. So for a man to look at his wife and not say, if only you would just change, mm-hmm. if only you would just get it, if he could stop that and say, I love you exactly where you're at, in your mess, in your imperfection. Mm -hmm. I love you. And fully release your wife to God to do what only he can do. Mm -hmm. While a man may be strong and can do a whole lot of things, he can't be God. Mm -hmm. So if he could just love his wife right where she is at, that is the most powerful thing. And allow God to come in Mm -hmm. is... The world is the oyster, yeah. right? And Robin, one of the things I hear you saying that's so beautiful is him getting out of the way actually is synonymous with him owning the work that needs to be done in his own life. Correct. Right? That that's actually when we become the kind of person that says, I will take personal responsibility mm-hmm. for my unfinished places. I will deal with the plank in my eye. That's actually an act of love of getting out of the way Mm -hmm. so my wife can be loved by God and have room to breathe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, it sounds like you're saying, when we're in the way, it can be in the name of being a good man, right? We we kind of put the superhero cape on as men thinking, I'm being a godly husband. Mm -hmm. I'm rescuing the beauty, but we're actually causing damage because we have a blind spot. I think for me to speak to the man who's not there in his godly pursuit, um, but who is maybe finding himself in a mediocre job with a mediocre marriage, mediocre dreams, the power and weight that you carry as a man into your marriage and as a father, you can't measure it. And so if you just take a simple yes to, of yourself, of your own journey, um, if you can pursue with your whole heart, and it's not, it doesn't have to be this big, I'm going to throw everything away and start fresh. It's these little tiny yeses, these little degrees of change that will just change the complete trajectory of his future with his marriage and his kids. It's those little things that then frees up the space for the wife to bloom, because if it's in a relationship that's neither hot nor cold, there's not a lot of thriving there. And I find, and I and I can think of, of one couple in particular, um, if the husband would just step up that little step and, and do his part and lead that little bit that his wife needs him to lead, because right now she's holding it together. She's the strength of the marriage. She's the strength of the relationship. And if he would just take ownership of that and be that strength and take that step, like she's going to flourish and blossom. And as a result, their marriage will flourish and blossom. And as a result, their kids will flourish and blossom. And it's just that one, that one little step, that one yes, it starts there. 
Tara, a lot of times as men, we, we just enter paralysis because we know we're blowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we don't need to be told that. We know it. We're our own worst enemy and the shame has us pinned down. And we think we're so far from being the man we're meant to be. Like it's, it's just not even worth it. But what I hear you saying is actually the small steps are incredibly powerful. Like, can you give an example with you and Cliff of just looking back? It was a choice he made of something very tangible, but seemingly small that began this turning from the story, like you said, a story that was mostly about him, big fish, small pond, Mm -hmm. to a man who's really leading and loving well in partnership with you. Yeah. So what comes to mind is is the initial work for our marriage and restoration really began with Cliff um, being willing to go to counseling and really process it. He has a hard story. It's a hard story, painful story, where men, his stepdad, his real dad, have let him down. Um, and it was just that little, huh, let me let me just process my story. It and I and I want to say and validate, yes, that you you feel stuck and like, I've already blown it, but it's not too late. Yes. It's never too late. At 80, you can start this process. 92, you could start this process. Your story isn't finished. So for our story, Cliff went to counseling and as he was able to process his internal world, his struggle, his wounding, and realize the things he was doing and pursuing were symptoms of an un, an unwell heart, a, a sad soul, um, and these things and these manifestations and this anger and this projection of, uh, I'm going to keep you at an arm's distance because I'll be damned if you hurt me. And that was how he lived. Um, so figuring out what got him there then gave him the tools to figure out how to get out of there. And so it wasn't... Um, all of a sudden we had this Bible study and, you know, the light dawned. It was just, it was really entering deeper into pain and sorrow that created space for growth. But it is very interesting to me. And just even to notice my physical reaction to what you're sharing of you're saying a husband choosing to say, I will go to counseling is an example of actually a man being strong, a man choosing to move towards life to, to lead his family. And I confess, I remember the first year that Sherry encouraged me to go to counseling, I don't know that I even heard her mm. until the second year. She said, you know, Morgan, this isn't the first time I, I mentioned this, but I'm inviting you to be curious about this. And it was the third year that I said yes. And I am like a pretty voracious student. I'm a lifetime learner. I look under the hood, but there was something about counseling that as you're saying it, I'm thinking, by ignoring it makes me feel like maybe I'm not blowing it, but to say yes to counseling is some admission that I'm really blowing it as a husband. And so it's actually very hopeful for, for you to say what looks like strength, what, what, what's strength to you, what's a man becoming a loving husband, what's a man engaging in the kingdom is an act like him saying yes, I will see a counselor. It's it's just very helpful as a man to orient to you perceive that as strength oh, when I perceive strength. it as weakness. Huge strength and bravery. Like, yeah, counseling has this stigma of being like, oh, that's for the broken people. Well, we're all broken and we're all blowing it. 
And it's, it's the strong ones who are going to do something about it. And that's entering into your story. That's digging deeper into why am I, why do I act the way I act? Why do I, um, why does the thing he say trigger me so much? It's just a simple thing. And it just irritates me. Why? And so, and then it takes the pressure off because he's processing his story. And now I have space and seeing the fruit of that. Well, let me enter into my story and process that. But huge thing. I think it's one of those, I am a huge proponent of counseling. It saved our marriage. It saved our life. If we could just all tap into it, like I think the world would just be so much better. We'd have so much more compassion, empathy for each other's stories. I think it's fair to say, if you want to engage in this journey and make becoming wholehearted and knowing how to walk with God, the centerpiece of your life at some point, um, and often more than once, to engage in a season of intentional counseling is vital and irreplaceable. And for our listeners, so you know, Wild to Heart, at the website, you can find the Allies Network. And we try our best to make available an, a network where people walking in this message, whether it's online, virtually, Zoom, counseling through Skype, or in person, like we have a network of counselors that um, are self, you know, self-reporting, so we can't police it and we can't, um, you know, vouch for all of it, but it's better than the Yellow Pages and it's a place to start. So check out the Allies Network. I Uh, found a counselor on the Allies Network. Love her. Okay. So yeah, it's so Mm -hmm. encouraging Mm -hmm. and we've all been to counseling. So um, consider it. Uh, Jenna, you have an audience of men out there that have your attention. I I mean, these ladies have said it so well. Um, I would just... On, to piggyback off of what they both said is to just have grace for yourself. Forgive yourself. Like allow that space to just take the pressure off because if you if you can do that, then you can move on to be to go get counseling. But to just have grace for yourself. We are all broken. Like Tara just said, I am broken. Your wife is broken. You are broken. And um so just have to to just have grace. Um I know you're not alone. And yes, counseling, I mean, if you can, if you that is a way to show your strength is to to be the leader of your wife or your family and to start with that one small step to say I love you enough that I'm going to take the one small step to, you know, for Sean it was ransom heart and entering into that um and that's how he started to lead our family. And so it doesn't have to look like a huge um, movement in your life or something spectacular that has to happen in order for this for something great to come. And it does take time. Your marriage is not going to become better overnight. And um, so, to, yeah, just walk walk in forgiveness for your for for what you've said, what you've done, and start there. And then. Find someone that you can talk to and find a group of people you can do life with. Sean and I are finding that so important that we have to be so intentional about doing life with people who are like-minded that are going to uplift us and encourage us. And um, so, yeah, just it's, it's just the baby steps that can make such a huge difference. And it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. What's so hopeful about this is it feels accessible. The things you're saying as a man, I'm going... I could do that. I could do that, right? And the other piece, Jenna, in this response to what you shared, as a man, what I've learned is one of the baby steps. I think there's a lot of listeners out here that this isn't their first step, 
but they are stuck and they are wanting more. And what I've found is in finding a mission in offering something to a few other men, it calls me out to that next step. You know, I'm leading a Becoming a King study guide series of all the intensive alumni online weekly, six weeks. And what I find in my preparation week to week, it actually calls me up to the next level of engagement. And like, I wrote the book, you know, it's like, it's not new content to me, but the act of, of risking creating a context to invite a couple other guys to do something is actually, it's a gift to them, but much more a gift to me. And I think as men, when we're prone towards passivity, we're prone towards waiting to be forced, right? My wife asking me to see a counselor for three years, instead of, I'm going to grab four guys and I'm going to do, I'm going to have a mission. Like we've got Water Heart Basic where it, all it takes is setting apart four days. I know that's difficult, but once you do it, and you pray to just protect four days, like it's a plug and play. You watch the videos and you get to be men for four days or going through the Becoming a King video series. They're, they're examples of we have tools, but the act of saying, I'm gonna go out to a couple other men, it's not because I have it all together, it's because I want what you women are describing. And I know one of the most powerful ways to get there is actually to offer what I have, what I have, I give to you and we're in this together. We're all in process because as you shared, we're all broken. Mm -hmm. And I also wanna say, we're all glorious. Mm -hmm. That inside mm -hmm. of each and every one of us, the most important thing we can know about any human being is that we bear the image of God. That's the truest thing. There's dignity in design. And it's that person in Cliff, that person in Sean, that person in Rich that you all risked believing in when they weren't living as that man, right? You, you, you saw more, you knew he's in there and that's hopeful. Morgan, what I would, what rose in me when you were talking about other men getting together, one of the things that I often will say to my husband out of love is I'm not a man. Like I hear your heart, but what you need right now is to reach out to other men who understand your internal it's struggle. so huge. Because the other thing I would say to a man right now is it's unfair and it's unkind for you to place your expectations onto your wife for her to get it because she is not a man. And so one of the most loving things you can do is to not take that to her, but rather seek out those men who are wiser, who can understand the journey that you're on and give you that counsel. I, I will listen to my husband till I'm all day because I love hearing his heart, but I can't fix that. Yes. I can only say, I love you. I hear you. But what I also hear is that you need another man right now who can speak into that mm -hmm. because God created us and wired us differently. And it's beautiful. And that kind of goes back for me to that he is not my responsibility and I'm actually not the report card on how he's doing, mm. nor am I the report card on how he is doing. So my love, I release him and I bless him to do whatever he needs to do with that internal struggle. And likewise, he does that for me. So as we tend to that soil beneath each of our feet, 
when we come together in communication, it's so much more beautiful Mm. because we're aware of our defenses. We're aware of, okay, right now, I want to take what you're telling me personally, but I know you don't mean it personally and vice versa. Mm. So when when we can recognize my husband needs another man to talk this out with. My wife needs another woman to talk this out with. That's where I get to look at Rich and go, I am so glad to be your wife. And he can look at me and say, I'm so glad to be your husband because that's our only responsibility. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important to make that distinction that it needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. It needs to be cared for. But the second question of, and where should that happen? Right? Where is the place for that to land? And to fight for that in our spouse, right? To fight for, for me as a man, the women that Sherry needs so that I'm not her girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time for me to choose to prioritize that masculine friendship that's authentic. It's not checking a box. It's real life on life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest with where I'm at and what I need. And bringing stuff to light. When it stays in the darkness, if you're not talking about it with other men, it's just staying in the dark. There's no light being from it. And, you know, you just said that we are glory. And if we're just suppressing it and not talking about it, it's not being brought to light. And so just, yeah, finding someone besides your wife (laughs) to talk to about those things. So, Yeah, even in this moment, um, for our listeners, I just want to pause and ask the Holy Spirit, what's in me? right now that needs help? What's in darkness that I know it needs light? And Holy Spirit, where do you want me to take it? Where should I go with that? In all, you're, you're sharing so courageously. I just, I applaud your vulnerability. I applaud your courage. Like there are very few people that would do this and it's available to all. That's what I hear in your stories, right? It's available to everyone. This isn't exclusive. What makes it exclusive is by consent and your women that have consented. What I hear in everything you've shared, you have suffered at the hands of your husband and you have been blessed at the hands of your husband. And I'm just haunted by those realities. And we're talking about the same man. And so there's just this honesty with where you have suffered and and, um, there's been genuine pain. And there's this hope of that doesn't have to be the end of the story. Um, We're, they're mostly men listening out there. But as we've learned from a podcast for men, there are a lot of women out there listening. And in this moment, you have their attention. And so how about the women out there that have men in their world and they have questions? Um, You have their attention. What would you want to share with them? I think on, on what you just mentioned of suffering at the hands of our husband uh, in whatever capacity that looks like, and then to be blessed at the same time, um, I know for me, that was a big hurdle to overcome was to risk my heart with him again, because he had hurt me so many times. 
because it had been trampled on. And so um, for the woman who finds herself with a husband who's making efforts, who is changing, who is um, seemingly on a better path, and you're hesitant and you're guarded and you're scared and you're thinking, is this going to stick? Is this just another one of those honeymoon stages? Like um, being willing to risk trusting him with your heart again, being willing to be vulnerable with him again, um, huge way to bridge the gap Um, because he's, he's scared too. And he's figuring it out and he's trying. Um, But if, if, if it's possible and if it's in a healthy space or if you're able to let your guard down and be tender where he's growing, you get to bloom in that space um, and trust, trust the process and it's going to be hard and it's going to be so scary. I know, I know from experience, it's a really hard place to, to go to the man with your heart tender and fragile um, to a man you used to keep it really guarded from. Like that's such a, that's a hard place to be, um, but pursue it, pursue it and, um, and lean into it and bend into it um, and risk again and risk again when he messes up and risk again when he messes up um, because it's going to benefit you. You'll be the recipient of all that growth, of all that um exploration of your heart and understanding of who you are and your own identity. Um, And when it's not entangled in in that mess, there's space for you to become who God intended you to be. So uh, it's kind of a long way of saying, go there and be vulnerable. I would say um, something that's been huge for Sean and I is um, just because of my upbringing, I very much depended on him and because I didn't have a dad um and I was looking for him to fill the void of really what was my heavenly father and so um going to the father like you know like I said earlier I prayed for years and I and I yes expressed to Sean that I did need him to be the leader um but really in the like in the depths just Take it to the Father um, with whatever and trust the Lord. I mean, He loves your husband and He wants just, He wants better than we can even fathom what we want for our husbands. And so um, just going there and also something else that's been really good is allowing, allowing my husband to go and be alone. He thrives in being in the woods by himself. But as a mom, I get a little overwhelmed when I haven't had a vacation in years and he wants another time in the mountains. And for years, I resented him for that. And now during this, these last two years, I've said, wow, this is what brings him to life. And he comes home healthier because of it. And so to allow that rejuvenation and to allow him to go away and not see it as a, him trying to escape, but that he really does need that time. And not all men are like that. Some some men don't need that time alone, but maybe they do need to go have a drink or a cigar with their friends around the campfire and be okay with that. You know, if it's happening all the time, well, then maybe you need to have a discussion about it. But allow that because I, I would venture to say most men, if not every man, needs that. And so just to kind of, 
I know it's so hard. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mom of three. I homeschool, so I don't get a break from my kids. And so I know, I know that's hard to say, sure, just take a weekend off in the mountains. But it is so valuable. And I promise <laughs> there will be fruit from it. And that's what I appreciate in both your stories. You're naming the fruit comes back, and it comes back rather quickly, mm-hmm. right? And at first, it's really fair to resent it. Mm-hmm. How can you get this when I haven't had my version of it? Mm-hmm. But you know, you want him well because he does love you, mm-hmm. and he actually does want to be the man that he was made to be and, mm-hmm. and to actually be the champion the advocate of what he needs is a really heroic act and mm-hmm. it will boomerang, yeah. right? Not mm-hmm. only in the fruit coming to your home, but as men, we begin to then ask the question out of a healthier place is what does she need? Mm-hmm. And how do I fight for that? And yep. it's okay if it's different. Mm-hmm. I want what she needs. Mm-hmm. And I do find that when Sean goes off, he'll come back and be like, what do you need? Yeah. Like, go hang out with your friends. Go have a night. Like, he's like, Pushing me yes, to do it. It's awesome. And so, yes, it's that boomerang. Like, let there's some areas where we have to say, we'll take the, <laughs> the low road here. Yes. And so, but there is fruit from that. And, awesome. Yeah. To the women, I would tell you that when you look at your husband, do not look at him as somebody that needs to be fixed because what he needs is love. He needs you to look at him and say, I love you exactly where you're at, just as you are in the mess. And I would encourage the women, release them, get out of God's way, and allow God to do what only He can do in them. And I would also encourage the women, it is very easy to compare. It's very easy to say, why can't my husband be like that? Mm -hmm. Why can't my husband be like that man? Mm -hmm. God chose your husband, Mm -hmm. and there is a reason that he chose your husband, and he wants you to fight for him. But fighting for him doesn't mean that you have to carry him. Fighting for him doesn't mean you have to fix it, and that's really hard for me because I'm a fixer. Mm -hmm. I used to want to make sure everything was perfect. Everything in the house looks perfect. I've taken care of cleaning, dishes, kids are happy, house is picked up, like everything, because then maybe I can make sure my husband's happy after a really stressful day. Well, actually, that's not what he needs. He doesn't care if my house looks great or our house looks great. What he wants is when he gets through that door, he sees me and I hug him and I say, I love him. I'm so glad you're home. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I get you. It's a true honor to sit with you and to look into your marriages. I can tell you as a man, like this is one of the harder podcasts for me because I feel um, exposed by your stories, right? When you're talking about your husband, I see me in them and I see the unfinished and I see the not yet, but your courage to not give up on them and to fight for the dignity that you know is in them and to forgive a hundred times, it really gives me hope. So I'm so grateful for your vulnerability and for your courage. And um, um, it's an honor to be in relationship with your husbands, but it's an honor to be in relationship with you. I've recently been reflecting on this idea that before I can see 
the change I want in the world, I must first become the change. Friends, these women, Robin and Tara and Jenna and hundreds of women they represent have become the change. They have consented to a shared process of becoming wholehearted women, and they are partnering with their husbands in the stewardship of all that's been entrusted to their care. I hope that their stories have been an encouragement to you. And I would invite you to pause before you kind of rush to the next thing. Just pause for a moment and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? What's the peace that you're asking me to receive into my soul and into my mind? Holy Spirit, what are the agreements that I've made with lies that I've come under that are being surfaced in this dialogue? The accusations, the places of shame, fear, and regret. Jesus, what is in the way? What is in the way to a marriage of unity, to my wholeheartedness? And what's standing in the way as an obstacle to what you're bringing next in my initiation? God, I confess we are yours. You are the craftsman. You are the creator and we are your creation. We are the work of your hands. Our life began with a kiss, with your breath being breathed in us. And God, as I take in a breath now and I breathe it out, and as I take in another breath and I breathe it out, as I gather all the scattered parts of me to be unified under your care and in connection with you, I confess that I need more of you to find home and more of me. And Jesus, I'm curious, I want to be curious about this message of become good soil and becoming a king. What's the next piece? God, uh, would you have me to apply to the become good soil intensive? Would you have me pass it on to another man or the man in my world? A prerequisite is the Wild Heart Basic or the Wild Heart Boot Camp. And so would you have me engage in a Wild Heart Basic? Would you have me reach out to someone else to say, check this out. I think this would be good for you. God, what would be next in the message of becoming a king? Who do I reach out to? What are the questions that you're surfacing from the study guide and from the content that you're asking me to explore? What are the films that I could watch with people I care about to dive deeper into this message, to do the excavation, to recover the ancient path, the tried and true path that leads for rest, that leads to rest for my soul? God, I bless you and I receive your blessing. And I pray that you would saturate my soul, even in these stories today from these women, that there would be pieces that find good soil in me, that where there are weeds that are sucking up valuable resources that you're bringing and leaving me parched, I pray that they would be removed. Where the soil is shallow, I pray that you would show me the work 
to become deep and enriched, where it's hard packed, where I've grown cynical and self-protective. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent, God, of everything that stands between you and me. And God, I pray that your seeds would find good soil and that you would do the supernatural math of your economy, 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest and return on your investment. God, I bless every listener. I pray that you would meet them in their world. You would strengthen them in their inner being. God, that you would shine your light, that they would find more doors being opened to receive light, to receive life, and to increase hope and imagination. God, that you are coming, that you are here. We love you, God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you for listening. I would urge you to pray for the families that courageously featured themselves on this podcast. And if you want to find more about the Become Good Soil Intensive, we're accepting applications through November 1st, 2020. Bless you. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Become Good Soil podcast.